Coming up on Studios America, the effects of Wednesday's ride in the Capitol are still rippling across the political landscape. We'll talk to the Federalist's Inez Stepman about the latest. And not everyone wants to wear the I Heart Gavin Newsom underwear. I know, it's shocking. We'll be joined by Mike Netter, a founding member of Recall Gavin Newsom 2020. Excited about that. Don't forget, you can always watch this show completely free by heading to stewdoesamerica.com and following the links to YouTube, Facebook, the podcast to listen, and more. Don't forget to like and subscribe while you're at it. Also, consider a subscription to Blaze TV. I should say that again. Consider a subscription to Blaze TV. I'll get into it a little bit more here in a minute, but there has never been a more important time to support honest conservative media. Just head to blazetv.com slash stew. Use the promo code stew because that's how they know you like this stupid show and you'll save 10 bucks. It's always been the case that the mainstream media disparages conservative media at every opportunity, but does it seem to, I don't know, anyone else, like it's gonna get a lot worse? I'm of the opinion that it is. So let's take a look and do the war on conservative media. Stu does America. <sighs> what a day, what a day. Now I've been saying for a while, um, we are going to be paying for what's gone on for the last year for a very long time. We ran up a big bill. I mean, think of just, you know, coronavirus. You know, yesterday was the worst day of the entire pandemic as far as deaths. Over 4,000 just yesterday. You know, uh, that is more than all heart disease deaths, all cancer deaths, and all accidents combined in one day. That is a, a crazy thing. We didn't even think about it. We didn't even notice it. And if you think about what the effects of that are, not just on the, the, the death toll, which is high, but also on the uh, economic toll. You know, we're about to have Joe Biden come into office, and he's already uh, projecting a 2 to $3 trillion program to help put us back on our feet after COVID. And God only knows what kind of a special gifts are going to be in that thing. It's going to be a disaster. And you are going to be losing a lot of your money with a tax increase. We'll be getting into that, of course, in the coming weeks. The reason I bring that up is when you have these big events, these big, you know, terrible negative things, there's always a big price to pay in the weeks after. If you go back to 9-11, for example, obviously we had a terrible incident with death toll that was very high. And then you step back from that. Well, years and years later, I mean, I was on a plane the other day. I'm still, you know, taking off my belt and my shoes and, uh, and all, uh, taking my laptop out of its bag. These, uh, these prices do not, you don't stop paying for them. There's, the bill just keeps coming in every single month. It's not like you go to a restaurant and you buy a meal and you leave. It's a subscription product. You will pay for one of these incidents for a very long time. The incident at the Capitol uh, this weekend, while certainly nowhere near the death tolls of either of the ones I've talked about so far, is going to have a price that's, that's similar in some ways. Um, you remember Rahm Emanuel uh, when uh, Barack Obama came into office and they were dealing with a financial crisis and they thought, you know what, we're going to try to pass all the stuff we've ever wanted. We're going to go for it. You can't let a crisis go to waste. And what he meant by that, it was not some... Uh, evil plan. It was acknowledgement of reality. After a school shooting, it's a lot easier to pass gun control legislation. After a financial crisis, it's a lot easier to get people to spend money. After a pandemic, it's a lot easier to get people to spend money. Uh, after a, a, a terrorist attack on an airplane, it's a lot easier to get massive security through. This is just reality. 
And it's going to come. This is the type of event that's going to define uh, a year or an era. Uh, it is one of those things. I mean, when when we talk about the end of the Trump administration, uh, they're going to talk about this day. Uh, and not to say that, you know, certainly the president didn't tell anybody to go and wreck the Capitol, but it's going to be associated with Trump. I think we can all recognize that. It's also going to go further than that. There's no there's no benefit in ousting Donald Trump to the left right now. Why? Well, the election's already over, right? He's going to be out in just a couple of weeks, as he said already. And that leaves too much on the table for the left. They're looking at this and saying, what else can we do? What other things can we take control of? What other paths to gaining power can we acquire? And the target is going to be conservative media. The Blaze is a big entity now. Okay, we've been around for a while, and at the beginning, we were kind of everybody was kind of just a little Glenn Beck fan club at the beginning, and it's expanded into so much more with people like Mark Levin and Stephen Crowder after the merger, and of course, you know everybody else that's on the network. I mean, you know, people are here for a lot of different reasons now. But talking, let me talk directly to the good old Glenn Beck crew here for a second. This is the moment that Glenn built the Blaze for. Look at what they're, they're doing already. They're targeting conservative media all over the board. They're saying that conservative media is the one that inspired all of the issues at the Capitol. Conservative media needs to be censored. You're seeing this all over the place, not just with Donald Trump's Twitter page, but dozens of organizations and pages are being removed from the Internet right now. Um, our own Elijah Shaver's, uh, Shaver's been targeted. Um, why? Because he was re- recording as a journalist um, what was going on inside the Capitol. In fact, one of the only reasons we know what went on inside the Capitol is because he was there uh, f- uh, filming it and recording it. Uh, there was a New York Times reporter taking pictures. They're not in trouble. They're being praised for their front page story with all their wonderful pictures of what was going on inside. This is what happens. And we understand this is what happens. But if you step back and realize that they're going to come after conservative voices, they're going to come after conservative media. And the one sort of hole in the entire plan, this, this, uh, the past decade, decade and a half, has been the rise of alternative media. It's been hard to deny the people the facts that the media wants to deny them, the perspectives that people want to be denied. Um, I'm looking at the CNN uh, Brian Stelter newsletter and listen to the reaction after uh, uh, of this uh, of this particular newsletter. We regularly discuss what big tech companies have done to poison public conversation by providing large platforms to bad faith actors who lie, mislead and promote conspiracy theories. But what about TV companies that provide platforms to such networks as Newsmax, One America News, and yes, Fox News? They want it all. I mean, there's got to be something here when you're, I mean, seen as criticizing its direct competitors and basically trying to take them out. Somehow these companies have escaped scrutiny. Really, has Fox News really escaped scrutiny? Is that a fair uh, summary of, of what has happened with Fox News? Well, CNN says that should not be the case anymore. After Wednesday's incident of domestic terrorism at Capitol Hill, it's time that TV carriers face questions for lending their platforms to dishonest companies that profit off disinformation and conspiracy theories. Um, uh, So why do AT&T, which is CNN's parent company, CenturyLink and Verizon carry OAN? Why do AT&T, CenturyLink, Verizon, Comcast, Charter and Dish carry Newsmax? Why do they all carry Fox, which is frankly at times just as irresponsible and dangerous with platform as the smaller competitor networks. 
at least Facebook, Twitter, and others have acknowledged that they have some responsibility for the content they host and have very clearly posted community standards. Why do we expect any less of TV companies? It goes on to talk about Rush Limbaugh. They're now going after Rush Limbaugh for something that he said. And they're saying, um, I asked Premier Networks, uh, which is the parent company of our radio show, um, what, uh, why won't they comment? Is it okay with its top host appearing to endorse political violence, especially in the wake of at least four dying in our nation's capital? It goes on and on and on. And I come to you with this, with this plea. If you believe that voices like The Blaze, if you like OAN, if you like any of these other networks, you need to support them if you have the means. Uh, why? Because they're going to go away. Twitter pages are going to go away. They've, they're going to come after your, the reporters. They're going to come after the personalities. They're going to come after the networks. The only, this is an excuse to get this stuff gone. We all know that there's been crazy people forever who do crazy things. And that's what happened in the Capitol. And I've been unequivocal in that. I hated it. I legitimately hated what happened the other day. Uh, and I have absolutely no sympathy uh, for the people who did it. And I have no connection to that. But that being said... That does, the, the left and the media are going to try to take conservative media out with that as an excuse. They try to trample your Second Amendment rights when someone uses a gun uh, incorrectly. And in their mind, someone's using conservative thought incorrectly here. And they're being inspired to do bad, bad things. So I asked you one more time. I won't beat you up on it. I'm just going to say, if you happen to enjoy the programming here, if you happen to be watching for free on YouTube or Pluto, wherever you are, that's totally fine. You can stay there forever. We love you. But if you, if you feel like you want to get more out of this and you want to support conservative media, there's never been a better time to do it. BlazeTV.com slash Stu is the place to go. The promo code is Stu. You'll save 10 bucks. You'll tell them how much you love this fantastic little show. And you'll support conservative media because without your support, we're toast. Back in a second. Lots of Internet providers log your Internet activity and sell that data to other big tech companies or advertisers. You don't want that to happen. To prevent ISPs from seeing your Internet activity, protect all of your devices with ExpressVPN. This is going to be more and more important as we go forward. All sorts of websites and your, what you do online is being targeted. You don't want that information out there. ExpressVPN is the place to go. It's a simple app for your computer or smartphone that encrypts all your network data and tunnels it through a secure VPN server so that your ISP cannot see any of your activity. Do you know what all that stuff means? I don't know what all that stuff means. All I know is I want my stuff to be private. I don't want people, I don't want people using my information, selling it all over the place. I know ExpressVPN can take care of that for me. You just download the app, tap one button on your device, and you're protected. Stop handing over your personal data to ISPs and other tech uh, giants who mine your activity and sell off your information. Protect yourself with the VPN I trust to keep me private online. Visit expressvpn.com slash stew. E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash stew to get three extra months free. Be sure to use the slash stew part of that address because that's how they know you like this stupid show. Go to expressvpn.com slash stew right now to learn more. Welcome back to the program, the Federalist Inez Stepman. Inez, thanks for coming on the program. Thanks for having me. Uh, such a crazy week. Maybe we just start with what is your 50,000-foot view of what happened this week? Uh, well, obviously, I uh, completely condemn the violence at the Capitol. It, it personally made me 
very sad and, and thought it was disgraceful. I mean, particularly when we have so many enemies around the world who are laughing and, and cheering the, the seeming disgrace in the American capital, it seems to me to be the opposite of patriotism uh, to do something like that. Uh, but I, I am worried that it will become the tipping point that will allow the left to do a lot of things that they've been slowly doing already, but to do them much more quickly um, and and uh, to, to really ramp up the, the censorship. And, and they don't need the government to do that, although they hold all three branches now of the federal government. They really don't need the government to do that. All they need are the executives of, of Amazon, of Apple, of um, the, the big tech companies, Twitter, Facebook, Google. Um, they, they really have already started putting pressure on those companies to to go ahead and, and try to get all conservative views off the air, whether they were, you know, had anything to do with this disgraceful incident or not. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it reminds me of the old Rahm Emanuel, never let a crisis go to waste. These are things that they wanted to do anyway. They've been going down these roads anyway, censoring conservative voices. And uh, they see this as uh, a, an opportunity to be able to accelerate that plan in a major way and honestly have a lot of people that may have disagreed with them last week start agreeing with them. Yeah, I mean, I, I really worry that, um, I think initially after the, the 2020 election, although I was very disappointed um, with the results, I had some hope that we were building a working majority of people who understood at minimum that the far left, the authoritarian left, the woke left, um, has has authoritarian impulses, has censorious impulses that are contrary to the, the basic fabric of this country. Um, and, and despite, and I, I kind of took that idea because even though um, Joe Biden got more votes, a lot of people, millions of people, in fact, voted for Joe Biden and then voted for Republicans down ballot. And of course, you know, you had the never Trump right saying, oh, that's because people don't like Trump. That largely does not agree with surveys. Um, Trump had a higher percentage of Republican support going into the 2020 election than he had in 2016. So to me, that explanation doesn't make sense. The explanation that does make sense is that there are some um, moderate liberals who are looking to their left and seeing this this rising authoritarian side of the left and are, are nervous about it. And certainly um, in 2020, we saw the Harper's free speech letter, right? We, we saw J.K. Rowling come out um, and, and defend biological sex. I, I think um, there, there have been a lot of incidences like that. So I was sort of hopeful uh, coming out of the election that we would, despite having Joe Biden as, as the president, we would build a, a big backlash against what I see as the most dangerous part of the left. Um, I, I worry with what you just said, um, that that a lot of those folks now will, will turn away and see the right once again um, as, as the more dangerous side of the political spectrum, even though, of course, there were riots <laughs> from BLM all throughout the summer. Um, so I'm, I'm not I'm not trying to uphold a double standard here, but this is a practical coalition building exercise. And I, I worry that a lot of those folks will now see the right as, as um, violent and dangerous. And, and you know that uh, as terrible as this incident in the Capitol is, it will be replayed and, and hyped up um, even beyond its own terrible proportions forever by uh, by the left and by the media, right? So they're already calling it, they're calling it a coup. This is not a coup, it was 200 losers with face paint. Um, it was a riot, it was violent, and every single one of them who broke the law should be punished the full extent of the law, they should go to federal prison. Um, so I'm not minimizing what happened there, but it wasn't a coup. I mean, calling it a coup is almost giving them way too much credit. It was like nerds with zip ties, right? And, and again, like face paint and you know, taking selfies in, in the, 
the statuary halls. So like, I, I, but we'll see it hyped up as though, you know, they actually even had a ch the slightest chance to actually overthrow the, the government of the United States. They never had that chance. Uh, but they'll they'll hype that up, and it will see that narrative continue for weeks and probably months. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's an interesting point, and it's 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 like it's not a. I, I worry about what would happen with a real attempt with you know a real military force or real weapons and real strategy because it seemed very vulnerable, a much more vulnerable of a building than I than I realized it was. Um, but to go back to your point about the on the censorship, the Harper's letter is an interesting part part here. There is this sort of like. I don't know, I want to say a, a growing consensus around the idea that this woke sort of censorship is just nuts, right? Like, the, it's way over the line. It's further than, um, than any rational person really wants to go. And I, I see that when it happens to a comedian or, um, you know, some left-wing um, personality who says something and, you know, get, gets them kicked off and now they're, they're on Substack or whatever. They lose their job. But I, they... When, when, a, when a situation happens like this, where people are getting kicked off of Twitter and Facebook that are not in that cool group, like there may be some, you know, Trump activist group or um, just some random guy who maybe doesn't, you know, didn't go to the right college and doesn't make all the right points and is maybe fooled by conspiracy theories from time to time. Th th that group of people in the Harper's letter don't seem to come to their defense. There's not a, there's not the reciprocal sort of thing. I mean, I know I want all of these people to continue to with their platforms. But how do you get people who uh, who come from maybe the slight left who seem to see the ridiculousness of the left sometimes? But when it's not uh, in, in their in group, they don't seem to see it. That's certainly true about, in particular, the Harper's letter. Um, it's not true about all of the people who on the left who see this mm -hmm. as an issue. Like, so, for example, Glenn Greenwald um, has defended even people on the far, far right in the fringe, not defended their, their views, but defended their right to speak, their right to have a platform, um, and, and, and the dangerousness of stripping voices out of what has become the new public square. Uh, so I, I, I don't think that's a universal critique, first of all. I, I think it's a fair critique with regard to the specific Harper's letter. They, they included a condemnation of Donald Trump as more dangerous than, than the left and all of that in, inside it. And many of the people on that letter had uh, previously, you know, expressed joy at say like banning Laura Loomer or something like mm -hmm. that, right? Um, and and again, this is not this is not a, a, a endorsement of of the views of some of the people who were first dropped off, but but it it started to frankly for me it started to worry me a little bit right away, um, particularly when you start to see some of the things that were applied to these fringe figures or beyond just not having a Twitter account or not having a Facebook account, right? When you start to see banks get involved, when you start to see credit cards refusing to process payments, um, when you start to see pi private transit like Uber and Lyft ban people because of their political opinions. I mean, it's it's very easy to imagine a type of totally private social credit system in the United States, whereas if you are found to have had some heterodox idea, uh, and we know that this will never stay with, you know, actual Nazis, right? It'll never stay with with the real loonies, the fringe or whatever. It, it never stays there. Um, the, the line is constantly moving uh, in terms of what is and what isn't acceptable speech. Uh, but you can easily imagine that if you say the wrong thing, uh, you can't use private transit. Um, you get fired from your job. Uh, you, you can't get another job because your name is associated with it. You have no public um, presence on social media with which to get the story out. And it, again, you know, this is not 
this is not actually going to harm somebody like Andrew Sullivan, right, who left New York Magazine. It's going to harm the guy um, that, you know, got fired from his utilities working job because he he hung the OK sign um, out, out the window, which he had no idea that some fringe, like, you know, people, very online people have decided that that was, <laughs> that that was a, a white supremacist symbol, right? But he lost his job. Um, those folks, it could be, you don't need the state to censor speech in order to chill speech for the vast majority of the population. I think that's the underlying, because some people respond to these concerns and they say, no, this doesn't actually affect your First Amendment right. That's technically true, right? The First Amendment applies only against the government. Um, but if you think that the First Amendment, even the legal First Amendment, will stand if we have decade after decade where in the last survey, 63% of Americans feel uncomfortable expressing their political views in public because they're worried about the consequences. If you think that we can continue to have a meaningful First Amendment in that kind of culture where people are terrified to say the wrong thing because the consequences for being quote unquote canceled are so high, particularly for people who aren't you know, in the politics business, who aren't writers, who don't, you know, publish their thoughts on politics, right? Mm. Um, particularly for people who don't do that, the consequences are so high in this culture that you're just going to have people self-censor. And that's going to accomplish effectively the same thing as if, you know, the federal government passed a law about it. Yeah, it's, it's very true. I mean, it's the pragmatic sort of effect of it. Um, I, I remember going back to Charlottesville and there was a guy who went to the Charlottesville rally. And, you know, again, I would find all of his views to be abhorrent. And uh, he came back to work at his at a hot dog restaurant where he was a, a cook. And he, he, they were able to find him in a video, find out where he worked, and get him fired from the hot dog restaurant. Now, this, of course, achieves what? That now everyone in the society pays his unemployment and all of his expenses for the rest of his life. I don't know what that actually would achieve. But, like, I think part of the, the, the brilliance of America and the brilliance of capitalism is that I interact unknowingly with people with all sorts of terrible opinions every day. I go into a restaurant and the person who waits on me probably hates everything I stand for. But that's OK, because capitalism is able to solve those issues and have us let us have free exchange anyway. This feels like a complete attack on that whole system. If we can't have people with terrible opinions that have jobs, I mean, what does a world like that look like? We're paying for almost everything in this society that they're going to be doing. And we are basically excommunicating thought in a thought police sort of way. Yeah, and again, I think that's that's about as effective as passing a law. Like, I'm 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 not going to exaggerate things. I, I'm very glad that there is no gulag in the United States. Um, but but let's not downplay the situation either. The the reason that we have the First Amendment is first of all because it recognizes our inherent right to conscience and free speech to express ourselves as we see fit, as long as we do not cross the the, the line into inciting violence. Okay. Um, and that is a very far line in the United States. Mm -hmm. That is not, I mean, there have been some some accusations thrown around at uh, GOP senators or at Trump for inciting a riot. That, that will not fly in any court in America, right? Um, that, that's, incitement is a very high bar. So short of that, we have this, this God-given right to express ourselves and, and freely. Um, but, but more than that, that it, it is good for our society as a whole to have an environment in which people can express ideas because how are we supposed to discuss especially at a time when when the country does seem more precarious than it has before when we are confronting as, as citizens incredibly fundamental questions 
uh, about what kind of country we want to live in and, and where we go going forward. Um, if we don't have free speech and more importantly, a culture of free speech in this country, we cannot openly discuss things and we will not be able to bounce ideas off each other and move forward in a way that actually, you know, ex uh, it takes into account uh, the views of the very different views in this country. Um, and what, what I really worry about, frankly, coming from um, my family comes from, from a communist country, um, is, is the cultivation of two different selves an interior and exterior self, right? Mm. Where interior self, you think, well, I know really that that guy on the women's track team who is blowing out all of the women uh, behind him, right? right? He's like half a lap in front of all of the biological women because he was born a man uh, and he has testosterone flowing through his body. Um, I know that the reason that guy is winning is because he's a guy. Uh, but outwardly, we can't express that because, you know, we're afraid of, of the consequences of losing our jobs and being unable to, to, you know, provide for our families, of losing our entire circle of social friends as people pull back from us as though we have, uh, you know, committed a terrible crime. Um, I, I worry about that kind of cultivation of, of like uh, lies exterior and, and, and eventually the inner voice goes away, right? That's, that's the lesson from 1984 is eventually you can kill off that inner voice in a lot of people because they just become so used to saying things that are not true and presenting things that they're not true that they forget what truth is to begin with. I, I think it's extremely dangerous. I don't think we should, um, you know, countenance it at all, even for people who uh, we might find abhorrent, we might find their views dangerous and disgusting. Uh, that is part of the risk that we take in America because we believe in freedom of speech and we believe that freedom of speech on the whole is a positive thing for our society. You know, uh, I, st no, uh, I started this um, interview uh, already worried about this. You freaked me out even more. Thank you so much for that. Uh, <laughs> What's the best place for people to find you? Sure. Um, you can find my work and my colleagues work at uh, Independent Women's Forum at IWF.org. You can also find my uh, writing at The Federalist where I publish often. All right. Thanks so much, Ines. Appreciate it. All right, Thank back, you. Back in a second. Uh, here we are. I mentioned this earlier on in the program. F over 4,000 deaths yesterday of COVID. Part of that is uh, a data backlog, but the numbers are really bad right now. They're going to be bad for several weeks. I've told you, you know, we've been talking about that for a while. I've mentioned it on the show before. You look at the data, it's just the way that it's going to play out. Um, that's not necessarily a positive uh, thing. It's, it's going to be a rough uh, few, few weeks, and people are sick of talking about this. But hopefully we're getting near the end. Now, we have the vaccine on the way, and that's an exciting thing, Operation Warp Speed. Uh, the vaccines are, are starting to flood all around the country. Uh, some, some are doing better than others, uh, however, in dealing with getting the vaccines out. No one is worse in the entire nation, once again, than Andrew Cuomo. Andrew Cuomo was awful. Com. It's true. Andrew Cuomo is completely awful. He uh, this is uh, from Bernadette Hogan. She says new New York uh, Governor Cuomo says about 430,000 covid-19 vaccines have been administered throughout New York state to date. The vax has been delivered to New York state since mid-December. We're in week four. New York state is getting roughly 300,000 vaccines delivered weekly, but is having trouble getting the shots out. You got the math there. 430,000 doses are out. They've already had about 1.2 million roughly uh, the, that are ready. They're just not getting enough out. And this is, of course, yet another failure of Andrew Cuomo. What he's done is he set up uh, an impossible uh, wall, where, uh, a room where the walls are always closing in. 
on one side, he's now fining people up to a million dollars if they give out to the vaccine to someone who is not in the uh, correct group. So if you're cutting in line, what the re- the theoretical reason why they're doing this is because they don't want like favors being done for, you know, uh, a 30 year old trust fund kid when a medical worker or an elderly, elderly person could receive the vaccine. OK, well, I mean, I understand why you're doing that. A million dollar fine is, is a little scary. On the other hand, they're saying if you throw a vaccine dose out, if you don't use one, you can also get fined. I think it's up to a million dollars. So if you have if you take them out of the freezer, if Pfizer vaccine needs to be held you know, really, really cold. You take it out of the freezer. Uh, it starts to go bad. You can't give it to someone if they're not in the chosen groups. So they're going bad because people don't want to get fined by a million, you know, uh, with a million dollar fine. But then when they throw them out, they also could get fined. This is a disaster, as usual, when Andrew Cuomo touches something. That's what happens because Andrew Cuomo is awful. Dot com. I will say uh, there's, a, I think, a positive development with the Biden administration coming in when it comes to this vaccine. Uh, one, it's, look, it's, these are duff, difficult decisions to make. The Pfizer and, and the AstraZeneca uh, Moderna vaccines have all been tested with two doses. So we, we have lots and lots of doses. Plan one was to say, OK, let's say we want to vaccinate a million people. We have uh, a million doses. We need, we need two million doses to do that. So we have two million doses to vaccinate one million people. Um, the problem is uh, it looks like the first shot is doing a lot of the work. Uh, about 80, it gets to like 88 percent effective with the first shot. And the second shot does help, gets it up to like 95 percent. But wouldn't we want to give as many people we, as we could the first shot and then just wait for them to produce more so we can get a, enough into the, you know, we can get two million doses out there and just wait for the second shipment in a few weeks to give them their second dose. That seems like a much more rational plan. And that does seem like what's going to happen here in the coming weeks, where at least we'll be able to get more people started. The UK started doing this as well. That's a positive change, I believe. We'll see how it plays out here in the next uh, couple of weeks. Back in a second. Trying to buy or sell a home in these times can be challenging. That's why you need a real estate agent who's going to come in and take charge. Do you need a giant golden water slide built from the top of your home down to a pool filled with whipped cream and Starburst? I don't know why you'd need that. Maybe a new buyer just has strange taste. Well, if you have a good real estate agent, they're going to know exactly the person who can come in and build that for you. Realestateagentsitrust.com is Glenn's company. He's, uh, he's been on this for a long time, and he wants to make sure that you can get a good real estate agent, someone you can actually trust, not the disasters that he's had in the past. I think this was pretty much a selfish move by Glenn. He just wanted to get a good real estate agent, so he built this company. Realestateagentsitrust.com is the place to go so that you can get a good real estate agent, too. Get more information at realestateagentsitrust.com if you need a real estate agent, or if you're an agent yourself. I think you can, you can apply, too, to get on there. They're going to give you a screening, though. You're going to be screened here. They're going to make sure you're one of the best. Realestateagentsitrust.com is the place to go. Realestateagentsitrust.com. I'm joined now by Mike Netter. He's a coalition founding member of Recall Gavin 2020, a movement devoted to removing California Governor Gavin Newsom from power before he could inflict any more damage. Mike, thanks for coming on the program. Thanks for having me. So, uh, first of all, tell me about why this needs to happen. I mean, I know from I live in Texas, totally different world, I think, than California right now. Uh, I don't see Gavin Newsom as an effective governor, but you live there. Why should he be recalled? 
Well, I'm not sure I have that much time, Stu. (laughs) Let's start with some of the basics. If you were to sum it up, simply he's a bad leader that makes bad decisions, not listening to the will of the people. From the moment he got in office, he decided that, well, the people have voted in certain things, the death penalty being an example, but I don't like it. And then as time goes on, certainly with this COVID crisis, he's demonstrated more and more, and the list is incredibly large. We have it on our website at recallgavin2020.com. But everything from the French laundry, where it's probably a bad decision to go to a very expensive restaurant when the rest of the public is locked up, to the EDD sending money to prisoners, to building a bullet train to nowhere where the money could be spent otherwise, and if nothing else across all these issues is our homeless problem, which continues to grow worse. And Gavin can't seem to solve any problems at all at the state. But I do have good news, Stu. Mm-hmm. We banned powered, mm-hmm. gas-powered cars in 2035, <laughs> which is right what the state needs right now. <laughs> wow, that sounds like a wonderful achievement. And I'm sure he'll be around in 2035 as governor to, uh, to take that on. Um, it's interesting because as someone who's an outsider, you know, I see – you think of California – uh, and I've never lived in California as this like left wing place. It's a, it's a it's a blue state, a hardcore blue state, never going to vote for a Republican. But that's not really the truth. I mean, the state is really a diverse state. There are a lot of real hardcore conservatives there. Just a lot of people who are average people who just don't want someone who's completely ineffective as their governor. Let me tell you one of the biggest problems about California that's a misnomer out there. Um we formed a political pact we got in the voter database, and this is a surprise to most people. Back when Gray Davis was recalled, and you'll hear this quoted quite often in the press, there were 41% Democrats and 34% Republicans. Today in the state of California, there's 43% Democrats and 24% Republicans. Now, wait a minute. What does that mean? California has 5 million Republicans But that point aside, we've got 6 million NPPs, no party preference, that because of the lovely jungle primary system we have, simply have drifted away from either party. I'd like to stress also, Stu, we're not right or left. All California is uniting together to recall the governor of California because he's literally the best person we have to represent getting rid of progressive ideas, which just aren't working no matter what party you're part of. Okay, so can you walk us through the process here? The recall process, we all kind of watched it with Gray Davis. We watched that unfold. It was a big national story at the time. What do you have to do to make this happen? And is it a real possibility? It's more than real possibility it's happening. It takes 12% of the people that voted for governor last time. And one of the first things we did, realizing we need at least 1.5 million signatures, realistically need 1.8 to 2 million with disqualifications, is we formed a website, recallgap2020.com, where people could go and print out the petition themselves. It's available in eight and a half by 11 paper and also give us donations. And so the the process is once we gather enough signatures, there's no getting around when we turn them into the secretary, each of the individual registrar's office. They have 30 days to verify them and they have to call a special election within 60 to 90 days. Mm. That special election is very important in California because that means you vote whether you want Gavin to continue as governor. Yes or no. All right. 
And then you get a vote from a slate of candidates who, if Gavin gets over 51% ousting him, which will happen, that top vote getter then goes into office. So it gets around the jungle primary system. And more importantly, not only for California, Stu, but for the whole country, opens up the conversation in California about what needs to be done. How can we advance the state together to basically make this a better state. It's going downhill fast and it's time we did something about it. So a recall is an initiative, a referendum. And by the way, for those, we had a lot of people, we are not politicians. We endorsed nobody for governor. We didn't really know what we were doing and started that. But today, this is as the largest initiative in American history, we already have in our pocket over a million signatures and we have until March 17th to go. This is getting done mainly by the people and volunteers. Wow. So you, you're already wow. at one million and you have, until, I think, till mid-March, right? Correct. And you heard correct. We are already at one million on our website. If you want to keep scores Stu, at recallgavin2020.com, you will find a thermometer. We are 70 percent of where we need to be right now. And this is getting done. And the most amazing thing, this is being done without pay petitioners. Over 950,000 of the one million signatures are from volunteers or people just getting one of the movement from shows like yours printing out the petition and mailing it in. Wow, okay, so, uh, and you, and how long has it taken to get the million uh, signatures? Yep, it's amazing. It's actually the largest volunteer initiative so far, we believe, in American history. Okay, yeah. Not backed by big money, I need to left. That's great, yeah, I think we cut out a little bit there. What was the time, like, when did you guys start g- gathering signatures? We started June 10th. We spent about six months getting together a proper petition. Again, one of the differentiators, it's available on eight and a half by 11, so people can print it out at home. We established a website. We then used social media to establish 58 different county groups, which have since grown to 72, to get volunteers organized. Um, we took uh, things we learned in a previous recall campaign, of which there's only been about one and a half, I'm going to say, others to recall, Gavin, in spite of what you read. And we organized it today. We've got over 20,000 volunteers, about 157, you might call them supervisors, up and down the state. Okay. And uh, so, I mean, you feel like you're going to be able to get to this number. Um, how, I'm, I'm interested to see if there's been an accelerant uh, since the whole French laundry situation, because, I, it, you know, a lot of people are willing to sit back and say, this is a really tough time. We know that people are getting hit with this virus. We don't want to stay home and close our businesses. But if it's for the if it's for the good of the, the people, we'll maybe do it for a little while. Then you see Newsom laughing in your face when he's going to expensive restaurants and he's doing his own thing. Has there been an acceleration since uh, the French laundry situation happened? I'm not sure acceleration is the right word for it, more like a rocket taking off at a vertical speed, okay? (laughs) When I talked about Gavin making bad decisions, understand that Gavin had that indoor dining experience at a $15,000 meal bill, sitting next to him without a mask two feet away, and hear me out, was the head of the California Medical Society. Did you know that? Who's helping Gavin write these alleged rules? They're sitting within two feet of each other indoors, violating their own rules, right 
after or about the time they re-shut down every single restaurant up and down California. Unbelievable. It really is unbelievable. Uh, for people around the country, I know if you, you, you know, there's plenty of uh, viewers here that are living in California, so they can get uh, uh, read to the website. Is there anything that people around the country can do to help out? Oh, absolutely. Look, we've got five things we say to do. One of them is donate. Let me tell you something. You don't want me as a neighbor in Texas, dude. Just trust me on this one, okay? <laughs> Here's something to really understand, all right? In case you haven't noticed lately with the latest presidential inauguration, you may have heard about it, Camila Harris is senator. Gavin gets to pick a new senator, the new head of Health and Human Services, Xavier Barcera, who should have been watching our unemployment department, is there. Gavin is picking a secretary of state. He is picking a two senators, probably a fine senator doesn't make it through his term and picking a new attorney general. California is 12 percent of the population. If you don't think we don't stop Newsom in California, it's not going to affect your state and the way you live. This Justin, it is right now. So what we ask you to do is go to RecallGavin2020.com, help the people recall the governor with any kind of donation you can give from around the country. All right. Uh, it's great All stuff, right. Mike Netter. Uh, it's uh, RecallGavin.com. Check it out. I know I will be there checking the score. RecallGavin2020.com. Uh, par- pardon me. RecallGavin2020.com. I want to get there because I want to see the thermometer. I want to watch it tick up every day. I will be checking in, and I would love to check in with you again to see how everything's going. Thanks for coming on the program, Mike. Love to be back on your show. Thank you, sir. All right. Back in a second. Congratulations. If you've made it this far in the show, you are part of the Cool Kids Club. So happy you're here. I mean, since you spent this much time, I mean, why not click the like button right now? Doesn't this show deserve a like? I've been ranting and raving for like an hour. Uh, Just to click the like button or subscribe to the podcast. Give me a review. Five stars is the appropriate number of stars. We do really appreciate it. It makes a difference. And and as I kind of started the show today, I've been mentioning it all day. BlazeTV.com slash Stu. The promo code is Stu. You'll save 10 bucks. You'll tell everybody that you love this stupid show. And we appreciate that part of it. But in addition, there's just no more important time uh, to support conservative media. They are literally coming for us here. I mean, this is this is what's going on right now. It's not just us. It's Fox News. It's CNN, uh, C, uh, OAN, uh, Newsmax, uh, Daily Wire, all of them. They're coming after everybody. And they're going to use what happened this week as an excuse to try to take your favorite voices away. Look, we need conservative opinion. It's important. We've been able to push back and do a lot of good things we forget about sometimes. BlazeTV.com slash two is the place to go. I will tell you, if you want to cancel any show, it shouldn't be conservative media. It should be Caillou. Caillou is gone. Yes, Caillou has finally kicked the bucket. It's a very sad story. I will say, Caillou came out, I think, in the mid-90s, maybe. Uh, There's only five seasons of it, but it seemed like every episode was you watched five seasons. Uh, the reason I it used to drive me nuts and when my kids were small, they would watch a little bit of Caillou. We, we, we blocked that stuff uh, pretty quickly. Why? The kid's so freaking whiny. He's the whiniest kid in the world. He teach your kid how to whine. That was basically how it worked. Like he would he would uh, you know, he would want to, He want an extra dessert. And he'd whine to his parents, and his parents would always give him an extra dessert, maybe two extra desserts, because they were such great parents. I don't want to go mow the lawn. I don't want to do my chores. Oh, that's okay, Caillou. Well, Caillou is not going to do any chores anymore. You know why? He's dead. He's dead as a doornail. 
PBS canceled them. And you know what? I'm not for cancel culture, except in this instance. Caillou, RIP. We'll see you next week.